don't know if you remember, I think it was in last November, we'd been out on the streets, or some of us had been out on the streets, and um, <clears throat> we'd um, prayed for a guy for his eyes. I think he had um, weeping eyes, eyes that wouldn't stop, sort of, they were weeping eyes, let's call them that. And we prayed for him, and uh, then the next time we bumped into him, he came up and he said, my eyes are better. They, they were, they're better. They, they have stopped this weeping. I think it was the weeping. So we shared that story on a Sunday morning. And what we're sort of learning is that when you testify to God's goodness, it actually releases faith into the atmosphere that God may want to do that sort of thing again. So we said, um, why don't we uh, pray for eyes this morning? I, felt, I, I mean, I can't remember whether I said it or who said it, but we felt we've got to pray for eyes this morning. And suddenly there were about half a dozen people up the front. Suddenly it was like, oh my goodness, we're praying for six lots of eyes from different things. Well, what happened was one was um, uh, uh, Teresa, who they've moved up to Hamilton now, but uh, she had, I think it was an irritation in the eye, I think it was. What I heard was by the time she left the meeting, that irritation was completely gone, and, and uh, I don't know how long she'd had that. That situation seemed to change. Uh, then there was um, uh, Nikki, you had a couple of styes, and... Um, we prayed for those styes. They'd been coming up on the Sunday. The following day, I think I got a text saying that it was um, significantly better. And where, um, I, I think it was where uh, both styes cleared up within the week or something like this. And it was something which normally would have taken a lot longer than when we, if we hadn't prayed. She said, anyway, whatever happened, I didn't go back to the doctor and get it checked out because God healed it. And anyway, it costs 50 bucks to go back to the doctor and just get it checked out these days. So, but she just said, yay God, that's fantastic. Then a couple of weeks ago, I got um, a, an email from uh, Helen who said she was very happy for us to share her story too. And uh, Helen, um, who has uh, diabetes, uh, it st was starting to affect the eyes, and she had a swollen blood vessel at the back of her eye. And um, we prayed on that morning for this, and it meant that she needed injections, very painful injections, into the eye to control this and trying to get the, the thing back to normal. And I know that she's had prayer over uh, several occasions, several months. And um, she said that very recently, in the last couple of weeks, I believe it is, three weeks ago maybe, she went back to uh, the doctor and he uh, showed her the scan of what it used to be, this swollen vessel, and then what it is today, a back-to-normal vessel. So she's like, it took a long while, it was a gradual healing, but yay God, praise God for that. So it was like number three that we heard from that. And then um, I'd like um, Alison to come and, and share this story. If we could just sort of, um, yeah, come and, come, and, come and share a bit. Because, um, <clears throat> so um, Alison, uh, came, you came forward and you were one of the six that came to pray. And what, were you, what did you come up for? Um, I had um, a sort of a rough patch under my eye, which was intensely itchy and um, I hadn't been here very long in New Zealand. I'd, I'd only been here a couple of weeks because um, we had our house to sell in Australia and um, I'd only just come. So it'd been really busy. I'd had this thing for 
couple of months. I just it's just been really busy and I hadn't gone to the doctor. But um, I'd had a, a basal cell carcinoma removed um, sort of near my nose um, about two years before, which was like a rough patch which grew really quickly. And um, I'd had stitches and I had to have it cut out and stuff. And this one felt very similar. So I was assuming... Well, I was thinking that week, actually, I'd go to the GP and um, I was expecting it to be the same, that they'd cut it out and have a couple of stitches and it would be uncomfortable. But um, So um, I wasn't expecting much, but I, I thought, well, everyone else is going, so I'll, I'll go and ask for prayer too. <laughs> and uh, tell us what happened. Did you notice anything straight away or what, what, what happened? Um, yeah, the... Um, well, by the end of that day, the itching had completely stopped, and I'd had that for a couple of months. Um, it was really, it was just a nuisance. It was just, um, um, but the, you know, it was, I could still feel it. It was still there. But um, um, by the end of the week, I thought, I thought it felt smaller. And because it wasn't itching anymore, I, I'd sort of, it didn't seem so urgent to go to the doctor, although perhaps I should have done but by the end of the week, yeah, it felt smaller, and um, I, I just sort of forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I realised it had completely gone. So that was good. Praise God! Praise God! Now I think you know this. Often, when we keep saying, "Hey, look, we want to get things medically verified," it's just we just want to. We don't want hype in this house. We want to genuinely see where God breaks through. And um, you can't, you know, you, you can't say, hey, this was exactly what she had before. But you've heard her saying this was so much like it was before. It seemed like it was. It seemed like the real thing. It seemed very difficult um, and obviously a big concern. And so we just celebrate. God is so, so good. We don't know. It wasn't diagnosed. What we do know is the lump has gone, the irritation has gone, the roughness has gone, and we thank God for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. And because we tell stories, uh, faith increases. And uh, so we'll, we'll learn more and more about what it is to, to tell stories and to tell them as accurately as we can because we want to be true to God. Um, and sometimes we bounce off of testimonies and that springs faith for other things. Other times we use the words of knowledge and that is a springboard of faith as well. We're going to be learning all these things and that's going to help us. And I know Nat's very gifted at um, sharing in very practical ways and demonstrating things. So let's put our hands together for Nat. Right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All righty. So cool to hear testimonies like you hear one story and then you share it and then, you know, six people get prayed for for eyes and you're like, in a group of 100, six people have problems with eyes? You're like, it's kind of, it's like 6%. <laughs> It's so good to see some breakthrough, and obviously we prayed for other people too, and we pray for other people, and we want to see them healed, so we're very real about that. You know, some people we pray for when they get healed, some don't. Let's keep going until they all do. All right, so for those of you that have just joined us, it's a few people, um, we just had a couple of sessions. Phil looked at authority and commission, 
and how that was so important to Jesus' ministry and then how he commissioned us and gave us authority to do the same stuff. And then we looked at how to deal with some of the rocks in the river um, of our life of seeing the kingdom flow. So we looked at disappointment and unbelief and how to get rid of those. But tonight we want to look at um, how do we pray for healing? How do you put this stuff into practice? How do you do this stuff when someone walks towards you in the supermarket with, a, with crutches? What do you do? Um, and we're also going to look at what it could look like a little bit, a few, a few examples of what it might look like and some of the prophetic words we've had and maybe look a bit of history of what it could look like in our church family if everyone was equipped and envisioned to see power through their life. What could our church look like? Cool. So just another kind of angle as well on, on Jesus' ministry. Phil looked at that before, but if you, if you break down Jesus' ministry into, say, seven things that he did when he walked the earth, so obviously he died on the cross, but while he walked on the earth, his life, he did, he did, you could say he did seven things. And you could say that three or four of those relate to healing, which is a pretty big deal. That's like just under or just over half of what he did. So he did a lot of speaking. He talked about the kingdom. He talked about finances. He talked about heaven and hell. He talked about relationships. Um, he, he talked in small groups to individuals, to groups, to whole towns. He did a lot of talking. Um, he did a lot of praying. So talking, praying. He prayed a lot. He went up on the mountain, spent time with his father. Um, he, he would often do that before important things like choosing the disciples. He also did miracles. So he calmed the seas, he multiplied food, he got coins from fish's mouths, he did miracles that were like not healing miracles but other miracles. So there's three there. Then he healed people. So you could relate that one to healing. He healed people quite directly. Um, <laughs> he raised the dead, which really is just an extreme form of healing, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Do you need healing? I'm dead. You need some healing then, don't you? So he brought people back to life. He cast out demons, which was often related to healing. So we see in places like Mark 9, there's a boy who couldn't speak and who had seizures, and Jesus cast out the demons, and then he was, able, he was healed. He could, he could speak and he, had, he didn't have seizures. The Bible said he, he was healed. So that's three. The seventh one, I would say it relates to healing. What he did was he built relationships with people and sent them out to do exactly what he had been doing. So he got disciples and said, go and do the other six things that I've been doing, three of which were related to healing. So it's quite amazing, really, when you think about what he did and how much healing was a part of it. And you might think, sometimes you can think, well, why do people focus on healing? Like this conference, it's a kingdom conference, but there's a focus in the kingdom on healing this time around. The kingdom is broader than that. It's, it's kingdom wisdom, it's, it's miracles, it's seeing families restored, it's seeing communities turned upside down. When the kingdom comes, lots of things happen, and we're focusing on healing this time around. But you might think, well, you know, why is there this emphasis? Well, I think, I would say I'm passionate about healing only to the point of the Bible being passionate about it being important to see the kingdom come. So I used to think it was a too hard basket, you know, a bit of a roll of the cosmic dice, pray for people, you see like one in a hundred healed, you know, oh, I'll give it a go because it's a good Christian thing to do, but didn't really think, well, can you grow in this? Or, you know, it was a bit of a sort of a mysterious thing over there. But actually I got convinced that it's a key part of seeing the kingdom come, and if Jesus said it was important, then I'm going to make it important in my life. And we read in Acts like um, I've shared, I shared before, I've got it on the, the screen. This key passage says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all 
who under the power of the devil because God was with him. So even that commentary on Jesus' walk, healing is a major part of it. Doesn't mean we completely understand it, and we've looked at a bit of that, like the mystery around that. What do you do with mystery? You try and sort it all out, or do you trust God within that? So we don't understand it all, but it's our job to pursue it until we see as much as Jesus did, and then more. So let me ask you this question. What would our community like, King's Church, what would King's Church look like if every single one of us was equipped and envisioned and felt confident to pray for healing wherever they went and to share God's healing power with people that need it. Just think about that for a moment. What would that do to the places we live in, the, the jobs we work at, or the schools we go to, or the supermarkets we visit? Recently, um, Steve Knott had a prophetic word for us, and this was part of it. It said, as you go, you need to think big. Sundays are not the only place for miracles. It's time to take miracles outside of here. It might be scary, but don't be afraid. I'm with you. Stretch out into the scary, into the unknown. I won't let you down or embarrass you. What a great prophetic word. We can't keep it in here, you know. The, the gifts of the Spirit... The works of the kingdom were never meant to be for Sundays. They're like a training ground for the rest of our lives. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be a church that just gathers on a Sunday like it's a kind of shot in the arm, like, you know, we, such tough weeks and we come on Sundays and you know, we get a little bit of God's presence and we kind of encourage each other because life's really tough and then, and then we go out to a big, big bad world where we've got no power over anything and just kind of survive until next Sunday. We don't want to live like that. We actually want to live like we come on Sundays and it's like, wow, we celebrate how God has used us, little old us during the week. Man, he did this. I got to speak to this person, I pray for this person, they got healed, and we come together and celebrate the works of the kingdom that are going on in our ordinary life. And we come together, we celebrate God, we get trained up, we encourage each other to go back out and see more of the kingdom come. I think we've got to break down, we've got to use, look at prophetic words like this, and we've got to break down the thinking that that church is where you know, we've got to pursue, pursue miracles in church. We've got to see more. Yeah, we need to see more. But I tell you, if you're pursuing miracles outside of church, they'll happen in here even easier. It's like a byproduct. The focus is on seeing darkness flee as light comes. I mean, the, really what God has called us to, he's called us into so many different areas in our life, whether it's business, education, the health sector, the home, government. He's called us to be little Christs in those places. To be like him, to bring the kingdom in when we see darkness. So sometimes we kind of think that like the pinnacle of life for some people is to like get a job in the church and you know be in there and or just be with the church wherever you can and just get meetings and, and build community and, and serve the church community. Now those things are good and they're important. We want to be together, we want to love each other. But the pinnacle is not to be just us. And then get a job in the church too so you don't have to see people 9 to 5 who, who don't know Jesus. Actually, we don't want to dumb down the calling we have to go into these different areas but take the power of God wherever we go. 
and pepper whatever we do with the prophetic and, and miracles and healing and, and sharing our testimonies and seeing people come to know Jesus. <coughs> if you think about it like this, so there was a, a survey done in Christchurch five years ago that surveyed churches. So five years ago, they found out that just a little under 10% of people in Christchurch were in church on any given Sunday. Do you, I don't know if you think that feels low. To me, that, think, that feels really high. Just less than 10% of the city was in church at any one time, which means that one in seven were, were regularly in church because not everyone is there on one Sunday. So that's Christchurch. I don't particularly think it's like a mecca of Christianity in Christchurch, so you could you know, put that out across the country. Maybe it's a bit less than that. But say very conservatively, one in 15 people uh, believe in Jesus in New Zealand. So 1 in 15. So out of 4.6 million New Zealanders, that's over 300,000 people in New Zealand, according to these kind of stats, that would have a relationship with Jesus. If you just go with me for that in a minute. Imagine what it would be like if 300,000 people in New Zealand suddenly were equipped and confident to bring the kingdom wherever they go. So that's 1 in 15. So you've got to talk to 15 people. You know, if all those people talk to 15 people, suddenly you've reached the whole nation for Jesus. How long would that take to see a nation turned upside down? Weeks, months, not very long. Wendy prophesied over us, your perception of yourselves must increase. This is Wendy Mann from Bedford. The nations will come to you, and I feel like there's training and equipping that's going to go on in this church that's going to make an impact on this nation and the nations of the world. But your view of yourself must increase. That the impact that God is calling you to is calling you to have is much bigger than you currently realize. Your perception of yourself must increase. You're going to affect a nation and affect the nations. You're going to get trained and equipped in this church. It's part of what we're doing at the moment. We're training and equipping so that we can reach out to the many nations that live on our doorstep and the people we meet. But we've got to increase our perception of ourselves when he's, when he's encouraging us to. And realize that we're a big part of this. If we're going to pray that God brings revival and pray that God changes our families, pray that God changes our communities, we've got to realize that actually we're often the answer to that prayer. It's God equipping us so that we can do the stuff. We've got to take ourselves off the sidelines and say, Jesus, I want to be a part of this. And as we see, actually healing is a massive part of that. It's a huge part of our calling to bring the kingdom and see darkness submit to the light of God. So what else, what could that look like? Well, I want to introduce someone to you. It is this guy, John G. Lake. Some of you will know that name. But I actually don't really want to talk about him. I want to talk about a movement that he started of ordinary men and ordinary women that turned a city upside down. So a little bit of background to him. He was born in 19, uh, 1870, died in 1935, and he was nicknamed the Apostle to Africa. So he went to Africa and was there for about five or six years, and in that time he saw over 100,000 converts. Wow. 625 congregations set up, and more miracles than anyone could count in about five or six years. And he... He was a rich businessman who was really good with money, made a lot of money. God told him to go to Africa. He gave it all away. He got on a boat with his family and he turned up at like the port in whatever city it was in Africa. 
I think it was in South Africa, and you needed a certain amount of money to get in, but you give it all away. God just said, go with no money. And as he was waiting in line to get into Africa, someone came up to him and was like, God told me, here's the money. And he got, got the money, got into the country, and just started this revival that just swept the nation. It was amazing. So I don't want to focus on his time in Africa, though, because when he came back from Africa, he moved to a place called Spokane, Washington. That's some of his family. So here's the United States. That dot up there, that's in the, that's in the state of Washington, not, not Washington, D.C. And that's the state of Washington. And Spokane's out here on the um, east. So Seattle, you might know Seattle. If you're a Twilight fan, I basically just did this for Sam. Twilight's based over here because Sam loves Twilight. So that's, that's where he went, Spokane, Washington. <laughs> Get off there. <laughs> so at that time, the inner city, like the city centre of Spokane, was about the size of Lower Hutt is now, so about 100,000 people. It's bigger now, and there's a bigger, broader area around it, but just roughly in the middle, in the sort of city centre, was 100,000 people. And what he did is he trained up people to pray for healing and they set up healing rooms in the city where people could come and be prayed for. And part of that training is pretty crazy. The, part of the training he did at one point, the last sort of stage of your training was, here's a name of someone who is really, really sick in the city. Take that name, go and find them, pray for them and don't come back to the healed. And you can't, you know, join the ministry when that person gets healed. Might see you in an hour, might see you in a month, might never see you, I don't know. So it's pretty serious, pretty serious at training people. So in, he was there between 1915 and 1920. And at that time, they saw about up to 200 people a day in these healing rooms. And it was reported that approximately 100,000 people got healed in that time. Wow. And people would flock from other places. Most of them, this is the bit I love the best, most of those people weren't members of churches. So they were reaching people outside of the church and people were coming in and meeting Jesus and getting healed. I love it because you, we want to see healing in the church, but it's so much broader than that. There are, there's a dying world out there that needs to see the love of God through the power of God and go, Jesus, I need you in my life. So this, they had stories that were regularly in the newspaper of healings because he kept a lot of, he kept the stories. And uh, stories like this, there was a woman who no longer had her reproductive organs, who was prayed for, and had children. Wow. Amazing. There's another woman who was healed of rheumatoid arthritis as her bones reshaped and returned to normal. That same woman was healed of a prolapsed stomach, and the earlobe she was born without miraculously grew into place. <laughs> Just the icing on the cake there. God's like, yeah, have your ear back. <laughs> So these kind of stories we're getting in the newspaper. And actually, yeah, just as a side note, I'll go on to that. As a side note, if you pray for someone and, and the, the healing is that miraculous, I mean, that's just incredible. If you pray for someone and the look on their face is just like, oh, something just happened in the body, like something just changed, you'll never forget that in your whole life. And I, my prayer for you, my encouragement to you would be, pray, get hungry and say, God, if, I, if you haven't seen this before, pray until you, until you pray for someone. And they're so, they're so miraculously healed on the spot that they just go, oh, and you just see it on their face. And you just change and you can see it. Because that will change you forever when you see that. And you won't, 
you won't be the same. Like for me, there are, there are a few healings that I've been a part of that God has healed people and I've got to pray where they're just etched in my memory. I'll never forget them. And it fuels me as I go because I'm like, I've got to see that again. So like probably the most amazing one I've seen was when we, Minnie and I were in the States and we were treasure hunting. We were visiting a church and we were treasure hunting, which means you write down lists of clues and then you go and find those people and they're your treasure. So we, we found this lady she had the same, the right colored t-shirt. She was on a bridge that we went to and possibly something else, I can't remember. And uh, we just said to her, you know, how are you doing? Can we, we on, we're on a list, can we pray for you or what's going on? And she was a Christian lady, and some of you would have heard this before, but she had a tumor, a benign tumor, inside her shoulder, and she'd had it since she was a teenager. And um, it wasn't like cancerous, it wasn't uh, growing, but it was meant it was there and it had always been there. And so she couldn't lift her arm past this point. Like, and she was, it was probably 10 or 15 years she'd been like that. And the guy who was leading um, the sort of time that we were in, he just said to her, well, let's pray for her. Well, he actually didn't say that. He said, put your hand on her arm and laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we just do what we're told. So we were just laid hands. Well, she was a Christian, so you, know, you freak her out, but it's okay because she already knows Jesus. So um, <clears throat> she was fine with us. So we just laid our hands and we just, no, I just laughed. I know it sounds strange. I'm just telling you as it happened. I'm not saying it's a good ministry tool or, you know. Um, and she felt lightning go down her arm as soon as we prayed. <laughs> and when we, when we like, took our hands off, every, it was inside, so it was underneath her muscle, but every physical outside sign that she was used to of that tumor was gone. She, had, she was like, you know, there used to be a bit of a lump over here or you could sense that it was there, although it wasn't on over the skin. And then she could just do this for the first time in 10 to 15 years, just in a moment. You know, great for her, amazing, praise God. But for me, witnessing that, I just, I felt like God set me up to be like, look what I can do by my power. Go for that for the rest of your life. And so I, I would encourage you, pray to God, say, God, I've got to see healings like that, where it just happens in an instant and, and it will change you forever, as, long, as well as the person who's been healed. Some of you will have already had times like that. Remember those times and go, God, I want to see more of it. Let it fuel your faith. So anyway, he, these stories we're getting in the newspaper, amazing stories, but very, you know, claiming big things, like having babies after, you know, having your reproductive organs removed. I mean, those are amazing claims. So the Better Business Bureau came to, came, came to investigate because they're like, these are pretty amazing, you know, huge claims that you're claiming. We need to come investigate who's saying these things and what's going on. But John G. Lake, because he, was a, he was, used to be a businessman, he's a very detailed guy, and he would keep records of what had happened. So when they came knocking and said, we were investigating you, he said, here are the name and contact details of all the people in the newspaper. Go and talk to them. Here are some more names of people who um, have been healed. Go and talk to them. And then he said, I'll sponsor a meeting where we'll get 100 people up in front of lawyers, judges, doctors, educators. You can be the panel. These people will share, and you can give your verdict as to whether this is genuine or not. And they said, actually, we're not going to come to this meeting because we've, already, we've been investigating the people, the, the names you gave us, and we've had such a positive time talking to them that we're not going to need this meeting. And they praised him for the work that he was doing in the city and said, you know, keep doing it, you're doing great. How amazing is that? Even the mayor, the local mayor, he held a public commemor commemoration to honour his efforts because of the work he was doing. 
And get this, the government stats between 1915 and 1920 for Spokane said it was the healthiest city in the world at that time when he was working and he was training people. So the reason why I tell you that story is because this is not just like a little, you know, a little bit of breakthrough here and there. This is what God can do. Yes. He can do that in a city. How amazing is that? So translate that. Oh, actually, no, I'm going to tell you something first. I think those stats are great, but the best testimony that I've heard from, from his ministry and the, and the people that he raised up was actually from a Spokane local who spoke at his funeral. And he died at the age of 65. This person said this, who spoke at his funeral, Dr. Lake came to Spokane. He found us in sin. He found us in sickness. He found us in poverty of spirit. He found us in despair. But he revealed to us such a Christ as we had never dreamed of knowing this side of heaven. We thought the victory was over there, but Dr. Lake revealed to us that the victory was here. Amazing, eh? Amazing. Why don't we just replace the word Spokane with Porirua, Kapiti, Wellington. Just put your thinking caps, your imagination on. What would it look like if the people of the Wellington region said, the Christians in Wellington found us in sin. They found us in despair. They found us in sickness. They found us with no hope. Our marriages were falling apart. Our relationships were falling apart. They found us like that, but they revealed to us such a Jesus, such an amazing Jesus, that he healed them. He gave them hope. They got set free and changed the whole region. See, we, uh, we worked through unbelief and disappointment in the last session so that you can, we can believe together for this now. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, though, we've got to think big. Uh, we have a big God. So how do we do this stuff? How do we pray for the sick and see them healed? Well, obviously it's not just about technique, you know, like say three of, three of these and this and that and, and it will happen. But there are helpful models that can help you grow in this stuff. It can help people feel loved and, and help us on the journey. And the Healing, Healing on the Streets team have looked at a model and I'm, I'm borrowing a lot of that. But I want to show you just a quick way of how you can do it. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how to do it on the streets. Because if you can do it on the streets, you can do it in church easy. It's fine. I don't need to train you in that because you'll already know how to. But I'm interested in us being equipped, no matter where we are, whether we're in church and we're praying for someone, or if we're in the supermarket, or at, at work, and the person next to us, probably, for me, this is scariest when you're at work. But we want to be equipped for that. Okay. So you may not get through all these steps, especially if you're like, meet someone in the supermarket. You might, you, know, you might not get a chance to go through every step. Can you just wait there while I go through every step? Like, it might not happen like that. And, you know, recently I... I I talked to a lady in the mall, and she was walking towards me on crutches, and I just said to her, hey, what have you done to yourself? You know, what's going on? And nine times out of ten, maybe even 99 times out of 100, if you ask people and they've got a visible injury, and you say, what happened to you? They will stop, and they will tell you, and they will be like, well, you know, I was mountain biking yesterday, you know, all the stuff. They're happy to talk, and it's a great way in. So I said to her, what did you do? She said, I tripped over a tree root on Waitangi Day when I was camping with my friends and family. I broke my ankle in three places, had to have uh, metal plates put in it, and I've just got my, my like, moon boot off, and now it's in a cast, and it's weak, so I'm trying to walk on it. So I just said to her, oh, you know, show compassion, show love. You know, actually listen when you ask people questions. Um, 
And then I just said to her, you know, this might sound a bit odd to you, but I'm a Christian and we love to pray for healing. Can I pray for you? And she was kind of like, well, yeah, okay. You know, I built enough rapport that she let me. But I didn't get to go through all the steps. And I'm not actually sure how I went because all I got the time to do was to, to pray a short prayer. And then I could tell by the, just the way it was that that was, that was about as far as I could take that one. And so I just said, you know, have a great day. So you might not get through every step with people, but um, it's still helpful. All right. So step one, stay chilled and show love to people. This is really pretty much the most important step. Um, sometimes <laughs> we get real intense with people because we're like on a mission and we get intense about it. And uh, I do that. <laughs> I'm probably the most intense one in my family. And I, you know, but when you're talking to people, and especially if they don't know Jesus or, or you're the only Christian they know or they're a stranger, you just need to major on being chilled and showing love to people. Care about them. Ask them questions and actually listen. You don't need to get loud and angry when you're praying for them. You can just pray peacefully and calmly and just talk to them. So don't be weird because for what, what we're doing is weird enough for people. <laughs> for the majority of New Zealanders, praying for healing is pretty strange. Okay, So you can be not weird while doing something weird. <laughs> you don't need a double weird. Along with that, don't use religious jargon. And don't use Shakespearean language either, okay? Yeah, Pete loves Shakespeare. <laughs> so, you know, just things, things that people just don't understand, you know, sort of like the atonement and, you know, justification by faith. They might not know what those things mean. So stick to things like God loves you, <laughs> you know? Just keep it real chilled. Smile. Do you know smiling is really is quite, quite an effective tool in life? It's good to do. And laughing too. When I, when I meet people, I'm trying to build rapport with them. I'm just trying to have some fun and, and just kind of show that I'm a fairly normal person until I ask to pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> ask them what's wrong and listen. So that was part of it. Don't ask them what's wrong. You're just so intense that you're like, <gasps> you know, I'm so stressed. I've done that. I, we were at a beach. Um, you were there too, I think. In Auckland, we're trying to learn how to do things on the streets. I almost threw up. I was so, so intense. I was going green like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. You know? You don't have to get that intense. So ask them what's wrong and listen, and then offer to pray. See, this is an interesting one, because when I say pray to you, you know what I mean, because we do church together, and you know, generally we pray the same way. If you say pray to someone who who you've just met or is a friend who you don't know kind of where their religious background is or isn't, that can mean such a range of things. Some people get turned off by you saying, can I pray for you? Because they think you're going to like whip out some incense and fling it around, you know, and get all like, put your gowns on, you know? If someone, if someone said to me, can I pray for you? And I thought they were going to do that. As a Christian, I would say no. In the middle of a mall, I'm like, no, I don't want that. But that's what some people think because that's their background. That's what, where they've come from. For other people, they think you're going to get real loud or kind of, you know, slap them in the head and cast out a demon, you know? <laughs> Again, I wouldn't want that if I was in the supermarket. doesn't matter how nice you are. I don't want you slapping me on the head and, you know, shouting at me. So when I say to someone, I'm going to pray for you, I, I, I back it up straight away with, this is going to look quite normal. I'm just going to, it's like we're talking, you can keep your eyes open, and I'm just going to say a few things. Just like I said to you, it'll take 10 seconds. Something like that. Because it's just like, oh, well, you've just been talking to me, so that's exactly what's going to carry on, and I'm not going to weird you out. 
Sometimes it's important, well, you don't have to always say this, but it's important to say to people, keep your eyes open, because I heard a story of some people who, you know, they were like, we're just going to pray for you. Feel free to shut your eyes. And there's an old lady who they were praying for, and she was like, are you going to rob me? <laughs> shut my eyes and steal my handbag? <laughs> Again, we know what we mean about, like, God loves you and I'm not going to rob you. But other people, you know, you've got to just translate it a little bit for them. So offer to pray. Oh, also on that, you might, it's, it's biblical to lay hands on people. So sometimes you get the opportunity, opportunity to, and sometimes you don't. So I prayed for my work colleague who had a sore arm. I know him well enough. I just said to him, can I pray for you? And he said, yes, I'm just going to put my hand on your arm. Because that was fine. Well, sometimes I've done that with strangers. It might be your ankle. Do you mind if I just lay my hands on your ankle? And they're okay with that. But sometimes it's not okay, and you can gauge that. Sometimes people have come to their comfortable limit just by, like, letting you pray. So you don't necessarily have to push it all the way and, and, and be like, can I lay hands on you and then can I baptize you straight after? You know, you've got to, you've got to just gauge where people are comfortable. And obviously don't lay hands, you know, don't offer lay hands on someone if it's an inappropriate place because even if they say yes, don't do it, okay? <laughs> I've just got this problem with my glutes. Go to hands. I actually did pray for someone two weeks ago who had a problem like here. So I just said to them, why don't you put your hand where it's, where it's sore? Because it's just like sometimes getting people to do something, an act of faith just helps. So I just got her to put her hand here and then we prayed. Or it might have even been, was it her mum that we were praying for? No, it was her, wasn't it? Yeah, as well. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> just put your hand on your mum. <laughs> so often pray. Next one, command the sickness to leave. So we talked about this, you know, Jesus didn't say, you know, he, he, give, he gave us authority. And it's actually quite helpful to do this, especially with people you don't know or people outside of church, because it's really simple. You're just saying to them, I just command that to be healed in Jesus' name. And they probably find it less than us, because we kind of go through the, should we pray, you know, all that stuff. It's just a, it's a quick way to do it and a biblical way to do it. And I, you know, I, I talked about this a little while ago, but sometimes I'll, I'll pray as well. Often I'll just pray a blessing over them because it's like, if I've got you here, <laughs> if I've got you in my grips, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I want you to meet with Jesus. So, you know, we talked about the whole, the whole J. John prayer. Some of you know the J. John prayer. Some of you don't. But he's, a, he's an evangelist. He's a canon in the Anglican church and a very, like, unthreatening man, really. Um, and he, so he will pray like this. You know, he, he's praying for some people like, now, dear Jesus, thank you that you love John. Would you just bless him and would you help him? And he says, on the outside, that's how you pray. On the inside, you're going, just get him, just get him, God, just get him. Put him in your spirit. You know, you're praying, but you just don't get them mixed up because that's when people get freaked out. <laughs> so you can pray, but just make it real casual, you know? God knows that a blessing is a powerful thing, even if to an outsider it just seems kind of like, you know, a light thing. People often will let you say things like pray a blessing over them because who doesn't want to get blessed? So offer to pray. Feel free to actually pray as well. Command the sickness to leave. This is a really good one. Ask them if they can sense anything happening. If you get time, you know, if you're still, if, if things are going good, then ask them, hey, is there any, any change? And they might be, oh, yep, there might be a bit of change. If there's a little bit of change, say 40%, you know, we were talking about your, you prayed for a lady with a, a knee problem, and they prayed and went 40% better. Well, actually, you can't do 40%, just like you can't do 1%. So if it happens 40%, you go, yes, God, that's amazing. And you say, well, can we pray again? God is clearly doing something here. And it's a great way just to pray again. Sometimes nothing happens. Feel free to pray again. As long as I'll let you pray. Just offer to pray for them.
Also, sometimes when you, uh, when you ask people, is anything happening, can you test it out is another good thing to say, because if you're like, can I pray for your shoulder, can you test it out, sometimes it's in the act of doing something that people realise they've been healed, it's kind of like a little act of faith almost as well, you're kind of like, can I see, has anything happened? Um, I, I pray for a girl on, Wai, on Waitangi Day, we did a healing on the streets, it was so funny, she was with her friends, she'd had a... Um, a netball to the thumb the day before and just ripped it back and it was just heaps of pain. She had a big kind of, not bandage, but like a, you know, strapping. Strapping? Something like that. She's asking the nurse. Um, so she had strapping on there. And I just went up to, I love going up to groups of teenagers because they're my favourite. Because they're just not scary. Honestly, they're, because they're just like, they're up for anything and they will just laugh at you and you'll laugh with them and it's funny, it's all good. So you know, I went up to this group and I said, look, what happened to you? Can I pray, can I pray for you? She was like, oh, no, no, you can, no like, like we're all freaked out. And I was like, go on, just let me, you know, just, just let me. She was like, no, no, I can't. I was like, look, all you have to do, you lift up your hand like this. You get your friend to put her hand on it and I'll just say like a five second prayer. She's like, no, no, I can't do it, I just can't do it. And I was like, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and her friend had her hand out ready, and I was like, just lift up your hand. So I prayed, literally, like a second prayer. She looked at me like this. So what? Like that, right? Like, you know, you're an idiot, nothing happened. And I said, well, test it out. And she went, <gasps> like this, because the pain had radically reduced in her thumb. I'm not sure if it was 100%, but radically, and I saw that look on her face of like, <gasps> something's just happened. And it was actually as she moved it, she realized something had gone on. So I don't know whether that means it got healed as she moved it or before. I don't really care. It's just, it's all good. <laughs> cool. Sometimes uh, it's more long term. So you're, they're like, like I prayed for a guy recently and, and I said, how is it? And he said, well, I, I can't test it out here and there. You know, it's, it's something more like it comes and goes long term. So you just say, well, great. You know, if you see me again, let me know how it goes. Or give them my number, whatever. Cool. Always look for an opportunity to share about Jesus because that's what we're always doing, isn't it? We always want to see people saved. That's the goal. Saved, disciple, get them on the streets doing this stuff. So if I think there's an opportunity, I always take it to share my faith, to share a track. I love going through the test with people because it's just a good way to do it. Or you just share more casually, just the way it suits you. Just share about your faith. If you've got the opportunity, take it. So important. Invite people to church. Invite people to Alpha. Whatever you, whatever you feel comfortable doing, just go the whole way until you, until you think there's a shut door. I know it sounds obvious, but it's just important to say it, I think, because we don't just want to pray for healing and think that's the end goal. Actually, it's to show them the kingdom. It's to show them there's a king and that they need to, they need to say, Jesus, be my Lord. You don't always get the opportunity to do that, but when you do, take it. That was number six. Number seven, leave them knowing their love. This is just the most important thing. If you stuff up the rest of it, just do that one and you're winning. Because actually you can't, you can't heal anyone. Jesus gave us authority and at the end of the day, it's his power that heals. So we're going to step out, we're going to go for it. But if they feel loved, if they feel like that was a nice person, they told me that God loves me and they didn't get healed, that's okay. Some people don't step out for healing because they're worried, what if they don't get healed? And then they think that God doesn't love them and God can't heal them. And it's like, actually, God's big enough that he can, you know, he can defend his own reputation. He just told us to step out and, and go for it. That's our job. Cool. So just another, just a quick bit before we, before we do a practical here. How does healing come? Well, sometimes it's instantly. 
and you see it and it's in a moment and that's obviously the best you want that every time sometimes it's partial like we talked about partial degrees keep going for it keep praying as long as they're happy for you to pray for them um, and just encourage them hey God is working in you over the coming days something that it may increase sometimes you get no sign of healing let's be realistic sometimes just nothing happens on even in the next few days week, weeks months years maybe nothing's happened that's okay it's God's job sometimes they actually discover a day or so later something's happened so what, I, what I'm trying to say really with this is if there's no sign of healing in the moment don't get don't all get all discouraged like nothing's happened because you don't actually know that yes maybe nothing has happened but maybe something amazing's happened you've gone away discouraged they get healed get saved and start a revival and you know you you, you were discouraged because you thought nothing had happened also if, if they don't get healed you don't blame them obviously you know it's not your lack of faith you worm <laughs> calling someone a worm <laughs> you don't want any friends okay so don't blame them and don't blame God because God there's no there's no lack on God's end is there he's a healer he can heal everyone who came to Jesus for healing was healed so the problem's not on God's end I'll own the problem myself if someone doesn't get healed or if I come back and see them in a week's time nothing has changed I'll own the blame myself I'm not saying I beat myself up, up about it what I say is hey I'm just on a journey to see God's power move I'm growing in this if Jesus was here right now if he, you know, if he was praying for you like when he walked the earth you would be healed but I'm growing into that and he's helping me so so bear with me because God loves you so much and we're on a journey that, that's how I'll do it great should we do a practical can I have a volunteer, someone who needs healing in their body right now? Rodina. Let's welcome Rodina. Do you want to stand or sit? I'll stand. Okay. So I'm going to pretend, pretend that you don't know Jesus, okay? <laughs> because I've just met you on the street. We were buying stuff at a market. And you were buying mangoes and I was buying bread. I would unlikely be at a okay. market, but let's All right. go with it. Yeah. You, it's, you know, it's acting, it's role play. You gotta... So I'm going to go through this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show Rodine love. You don't like mangoes, tell me about that. You know, is that a, you know, just tell me, I'm concerned about you. Why don't, you know, we don't like markets, not mangoes. So I'm going to stay, stay chilled, okay? So I'm not going to get all intense about the mangoes. Okay, so I'm going to ask ask Rodine, you know, what's wrong? So this is where you can actually tell me what you want prayer for. Or you can act. Yeah, because is this now the act or the actual thing? Yeah, let's go for the actual. Um, so my muscles in my, from my feet till post my knees are no longer existent. And my muscles in my hands are very weakened. Um, and I've progressively... Um, gotten worse since I was eight until now much much later <laughs> mm. <laughs> a few years yes <laughs> a couple yeah. okay cool so obviously at that point I am actually listening to what what Rodine's saying and I'm showing concern in real life but if I'm meeting you and you don't know Jesus of course especially I'm actually listening to you so there, this is where I offer to pray and I'd say, well, you know, do you mind if I pray for you now? Is that something that you would feel okay with? Sure. Cool. They might say no. Rodine <laughs> said yes. That's good. So at this point, I'd say, okay, well, is it okay if I maybe 
lay my hands on somewhere that's appropriate. So it might be your feet, because you talked about your legs, maybe that's an appropriate place. Or I might just lay my hand on your shoulder or get you to um, put your hand somewhere where you want healing. Maybe in this case I could pray for your feet. Yep. Okay, cool. So I'll just kneel down before Odine and I'll, just, and I'll pray for her. Someone want to come pray too? Anyone want to come pray with us? You might not always have a mini on hand, but I've got one this time. <laughs> Something you prepared earlier. Yeah, go on that side. Cool. Well, let's just pray. You guys pray too. This is for real. We want to pray for Odine. We want to see her healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we're just going to pray properly now because this is in church. So we're just going to pray all together and then I'll model what I'm going to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, muscles be made in Jesus' name, be remade. We command strength to come. Yes, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're asking you to come. Muscles be remade, be strengthened and grow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So obviously at this point this is different because we're in church and we can pray for a long time, we can pray in tongues. If I was meeting Rodine for the first time, that would have been like really quick. It would have just been like, thank you Lord that you love Rodine, and then I would pray. I command strength to come back into her legs and her, and her hands and pray for muscles. I'd speak to the muscles and say, muscles grow. And that's, that's, that's how I would pray. And then I would say, I'd say to you, hey, is there any, can you feel any change? Is it the same? Any difference in what's going on? I, the whole time today, yeah, I've actually been feeling different. Um, and just to step back a bit, <laughs> I've had prayer, lots of prayer at mm. our Connect group. Yeah. And I've felt improvement since then. So yeah. I do believe God is in the process of healing me. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just praise God. Stay, stay here with me. Yeah. Do you want to just share a little bit about that? Because we prayed before you went to South Africa. And, do you yeah. feel comfortable praying, uh, sharing a bit about what happened there? Yes. Um, I was actually going through a really tough time uh, because apart from my legs and my hands, I was also told recently that my optic nerve is now also affected by this. So my vision is obviously being affected. Um, so I got to the point where I just said, that's it, God, I'm done. I don't think you're going to heal me. It's been 30-odd years, and I've just had enough. I'm not even going to ask you anymore. 
So it just got to the point where I didn't even want to come up for prayer um, here on a Sunday. Annalise came to me and said, come, I'll, I'll go to the front with you. And I just said to her, no, I'm not interested. I, I'm giving up. And things just came to a point where at home group or connect group, I said to the guys the Thursday when they wanted to pray for Helen, I said, oh, you know what, you can pray. I don't, I'm not interested, don't even pray for me, I'm so over this. And obviously, Phil and Sally and everyone prayed for me, and I just got this feeling of peace. Mm. Um, and I really felt, that's it, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to trust God for this and um, probably let me just now remember exactly how this happened um, a week or two later we had connect group at um, Nat and Minnie's place and something happened in that week which I can't remember what it was but um, just before the group I heard this song let my words be few. I don't know whether you guys know the song. And I got to Gannett Group and I asked whether we could listen to the song. And then I actually said that I had always been going up for prayer thinking, oh, it didn't happen, so it's not going to happen. So I got a bit despondent about that. And I always had the expectation that it was going to be, if it's not instantaneous, it's not going to happen. And then I realized... Maybe it doesn't have to be instantaneous. Maybe it can happen over time. And so um, Sally's son, Matt, was there. And everyone prayed for me. And then Matt prayed for me. And he said mm. that God said to him that he, I would feel something different immediately on that Thursday evening. And then he's going to heal me completely over time. So Matt prayed for me didn't really feel anything but when I got up at the end of the night I realized oh my goodness I got up much easier <laughs> than I normally do and on uh, many said to me God is saying I have to keep on contending for this and since then I've just said God I'm gonna keep on asking I'm gonna keep on going for prayer I'm gonna keep on trusting you um, and over the last month, two months probably now, I've had my very brief moments where I thought, oh, it's not happening fast enough, I'm losing some hope here, but I keep on reminding myself of the keep on fighting. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the Sunday after that, um, Sally prayed for me again, um, and in the week I said to Phil, my upper legs are so much stronger it, it feels even it, I can't see a difference but it feels differently and then he said that Sally and I didn't even remember what you prayed for Sally but Sally prayed for my upper legs in particular yes, so my holiday in South Africa I walked up hills and down hills with my dad where I said to him let's just stop and look back because I can't believe what I've just wow. done wow um, wow that's amazing. So, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I was <laughs> laughing. I told my parents I felt like a, um, a, f a fake on the 
aircrafts because I have special assistance so they fetch me from the aircraft with a wheelchair because it's quite a distance to walk and I'd get up and storm out and jump in the chair all right let's go <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah yeah so um it's nice. been an amazing journey and I'm just I'm trusting God I can see how he's led me to New Zealand and to my house next to my neighbors and to this church and mm. so it's yeah. yeah it's quite amazing actually to see you on this journey because we're part of the same connect group and actually you know Rodine is very honest about when she's at that point of just like I've just had enough and she tells us and it's great because she's open for that but actually most of the time she breathes faith into our connect group for things like breakthrough and healing and we come away going Oh my goodness, and you just, you're such a woman of faith. And I do just feel like God is on you for, to see breakthrough and to, and to breathe life into people. And um, it's just it's amazing, really. So why don't you stay there? Because what we're going to do now is we're going we're gonna to practice this together. I'm going to leave that up there. We're going to get into groups of three or four. And if you get into a group of three or four and none of you need something for healing, wow. <laughs> like... <laughs> Because I need like three things myself. So if you, if you find that, then just swap with another group because there'll be another group where there's like eight things between. Actually, this is a really powerful way that God can release you into healing is you listen out to him and he'll speak specific things about people. So a word of knowledge is, is like, is the prophetic, but it's details about someone's life. So it's like, you know, you have a sore back from an accident in 1984. That's like a word of knowledge. That might be for someone. I just, I don't know, probably not. You know, it's that kind of thing where you just, God tells you something. And actually, these, these are a great way to get released into praying for more things because you might see someone who's got crutches or your friend's sick, but God might just say to you, actually, um, you might just, you might, God might say something to you that you don't know. Yes? You just prophesied and you realized. What's that? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Still any pain now? Any pain now? Good times. <laughs> Crack up. <laughs> so I mean, it's that kind of thing where God drops something in your heart and like say for example dad was in pain but hadn't told me that. You get a word of knowledge that opens up situations. So the other day I was walking past Wendy's and I just had this really strong sense that the guy standing there had pain all the way down his neck. So I was like, oh. So Hannes and I, you know, because you just, Oh, no, because it's not like, oh, great, now it's easy, you know, to go and approach a stranger. I still get really nervous doing this, but you think, okay, God's spoken. I need to take it seriously. So Hannes and I went back and I said to him, hey, this might sound strange. I just walked past you. I felt that you had pain down your neck, um, like head to neck. Do you have that? And he was like, yeah, I do. And was, you know, quite shocked by it because it's quite amazing. And so Hannes and I just got to pray. We both prayed for him and we said to him, you know, how do you feel now? And he said, actually, it's more of a long-term thing that comes and goes. So we couldn't test it. So I just said to him, let me know if you see me around the mall. Tell me how, how you're going. So it's that kind of thing where it opens up situations. So we're going to finish in a minute. It's getting late. But words of knowledge are powerful. God speaks in different ways. So sometimes you get like a, you get a physical manifestation in your body. It's actually not a pain that you're having. It's actually God speaking to you about something else. So probably about where Isla is sitting. I was sitting there once. And it was worship. It was in the morning. And I just went like this. Boom, and almost fell over and I was like that's weird I don't have a problem with balance and I thought oh, I'm probably just nervous because I'm speaking that morning and I forgot all about it and then I thought maybe it was a word of knowledge forgot all about it then we were back in the evening so it wasn't sitting here because it's a different building but basically where you are in the evening a girl walked past me who was um, at our um, youth service from a different church 
And suddenly the word of knowledge came back to me. I thought, I had a word of knowledge. She's had a head injury at a youth camp about three weeks before and the side effects is she's got no bounce. And, and I, well, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I knew that or not. I said to her, hey, do you still have a problem from your head injury or bounce? And, and she said, yeah, I can't stand still like this. I have to kind of like do this because I, you know, because of that. And so it was like God spoke to me and I got to pray for her. And she got partially better and then got prayed for a few more times and, got, and now she's completely free of it quite a few years down the track. So it's like God speaks, so we need to be aware. So he can give you a physical thing or it can be just impression. Most of the time... I get just impressions, so it's like, you know, you're just here like, sore back, accident, that kind of thing, and you think, is this me, or is this God? You never know until you step out, you know, you never know for certain, you've got to take a risk and go for it. The most of the time, the way God speaks to me, I'd call that an impression, most of the way God, most of the times God speaks to me is a subtle impression, like it's so subtle, that if I wasn't listening, I would have missed it. And I think God is speaking all the time, but we just need to clear the decks in terms of what our mind, and just tune in. And I often get really subtle stuff. And you're so subtle, you're like, I have no idea whether that's God, but I've got to step out and see. It might be someone walks past and I just feel something and think, I've got to go for this. And I did this with a work colleague of mine recently, and I got it wrong. I just was working, and she was there, and for me, that's the scariest. Everyone has their scariest scenarios. Well, mine is with my office mate at work. You know, that, I find that the scariest. You might not, but that's, that's me. And so I said to her, hey, do you have a, a bad lower back because of a, like a bike or a car accident and she she said no but and, and normally I would feel gutted by that but actually the truth is you don't need to because God is applauding you and saying well done my daughter well done my son you stepped out and I actually felt that for the first time I often say to people like we're out in the streets hey you got it wrong what does God think about that you know does he is it is he good or bad you know does he care is he applauding you more or less if you get it right or wrong he doesn't actually he doesn't care if it's right. He's just saying, well done, my, my, my son, my daughter. But for the first time, I actually felt the pleasure of God on me for stepping out and getting it wrong. And I actually felt like it was almost like I fell over on an escalator and you just, you're still going up and God is progressing his kingdom through me. But I get heaps wrong. Hannah's jokes that I have to get the first one wrong to get anything right on the streets. So that's great, but it's me. So I have to get one wrong with a stranger before, you know. So he said that like last Thursday and then I got all of them wrong. So it's like, you know. <laughs> But if you're afraid of getting it wrong, you won't step out. But I would encourage you, this is a key way that God will speak to you about people. And it won't always be healing. It might be like, hey, you've just got grief in your life, or your, your daughter is sick, or, you know, other things, sickness, that was a sickness, but other words of knowledge that are just specific details that just open people up and suddenly they're receptive to God because, hey, there's a God who knows me and knows intimate details of my life, wants to speak to me and wants to, wants to be with me and be in a relationship with me. So I would just encourage you, Listen out, because God wants to activate you in that. How do you grow? Let's finish with this. How do you grow and become successful in the things of the kingdom? Well, it's kind of like a young banker who was taking over from, this, from an old guy who was very successful in the financial sector, and uh, you know he just made a lot of money, but he was retiring, and this guy was taking over. And he said to him, how did you become so successful? He said, good decisions. How did you make good decisions? And the old man said, experience. How do you get experience? Bad decisions. <laughs> I would just encourage you, just go and get stuff wrong. And if you love people, you're falling over on an escalator and you're still going up and God's kingdom will come. Can I just say a quick prayer over us? Yeah. Father God, we just want you to release us into yeah. more, Lord Jesus. Right. We thank you the stuff's not heavy. Lord, it's, you're not a, a heavy God who's saying, who's just 
charging us to go out there and, and you're not with us. Lord, you're a loving God. You're a lot of fun. You want to see the kingdom come and you want us to be in the journey with that, Lord Jesus. I just pray for every single person here. Maybe just lift up your hands if it helps. Lord, anoint everyone for words of knowledge, for healing. Lord, I pray you'd make us a church full of a hundred or so people who are released to see the kingdom come wherever they go. Lord, change Capity, change Potidur, change Wellington, change the heart, the whole lot, Lord God, through us, Father God. We want to get on board with what you're doing. And Lord, I just release the prophetic. Lord, and I release confidence into us right now. Lord, I pray do that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Great. Cool.